0: Hello, and welcome once again to The Yoga Voice. This is Dave Sims here, your host today, and I have a great conversation to share with you. As usual, we delved into the topic of yoga, but this young lady, she's a yoga teacher, soul searcher, adventure traveler, social media influencer, blogger, and writer, Colleen Grady. Colleen is been teaching here at City Yoga for not, not too long. She came to us this year. And after traveling extensively abroad and studying in India and teaching internationally, she landed back here in Indianapolis, has been teaching and, and hosting workshops and sharing her experience and growth as a teacher. And she's getting ready to take off again and continue her travels. and. So we had a nice conversation where we delved into what inspires her about yoga today. Her yoga journey, particularly what it's like to be an international yoga teacher, so a Westerner finding yoga gigs in places like Sri Lanka. And and she shared her passion for the practice and her continually evolving understanding of Eastern yoga and Western yoga and and how these practices can just light a little fire within us. So I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Colleen Grady. And as always, have an awesome day. Welcome Colleen.
1: Namaste everyone.
0: (laughs) Awesome. It's great to have you here today. and. As usual, I try to start their conversations out with the question of what inspires you around yoga today.
1: I think what inspires me the most around yoga is the opportunity for personal growth. I think that through yoga there are so many different ways we can find in our body and find in our minds to continually work and show up on our mats to be better, show up in our lives to be better. And um, I think that really like fuels my fire for yoga.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Well, you know, you've been teaching here in the community for a while, particularly at City Yoga um, this year, and you definitely that I think you inspire people, and you have that. It's clear that that passion and that fire is there in your life, the way you know you navigate the world, and, um, and just the, the the energy you bring to your teaching. So that's really that's really cool. Uh, thank you <laughs> and um so, what got you into yoga kind of what what was the catalyst to bring you into yoga, and how has that worked in your life, and then how does that um, evolve and how's it evolving you know start to finish what's your yoga journey?
1: Yeah. This is kind of a funny question for me. Um, so I didn't have, I think it's called like a Sam Vega. It's like your moment where you turn to yoga. But when I was really young, my mom was really good at exposing us to the world. I think that's like one way my parents were just like excellent parents is they, ex- they exposed my sister and I to so much. And, um, when I was 14, I went to my first yoga class and I was like, and I loved it. And I kept going back and, um, since So since I was in middle school, I wanted to be a yoga teacher. Like I didn't even know that much about yoga at the time. I just felt super connected to yoga. I'd keep showing up and this was just like at the rec center, like nowhere special. And also this was 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. And yoga wasn't that popular then mm-hmm. either. It wasn't as... um common as it is now. But I had always felt really connected to the practice. Um, And so I wouldn't say I've been practicing since I was 14. But like the light has always been on for me about yoga. And I I practiced through high school, I practiced on and off through college. And then before I graduated from college, I did my first yoga teacher training, because that was a big goal for me to um, do my training before I graduated from college, since it was already my lifelong goal to be a yoga teacher. I was like, I want to get this done before I finish my degree. And um, I did that in Costa Rica at Passion Yoga School. And then, yeah, after, so I, I did that and I taught a little bit. I just wouldn't say it was probably till a year and a half after my training did I really um, get into teaching because I just felt like I wasn't ready yet. Um, Yeah, I just feel like I wasn't ready yet. I know a lot of teachers, too. They have this fear of they're not enough to be a yoga teacher. It takes a long time to step into that power where you feel really ready. And so I can relate to that. It took me a long time to get there, I feel like. Um, So, yeah, then I, I taught pretty consistently. I went through, like working to be a full-time yoga teacher, but I really burnt myself out trying to do that. It was It's a lot of energy, it's a lot of running around, being here, there, it's a lot of time in the car. And then it really just took away from my personal practice and the sacredness of yoga. Um, and so then my next step in yoga would probably be when I went to India. And yeah, that was, so I did my 300 hour training in India and lived in an ashram for, six weeks at that time. And that really opened my eyes up to so much deeper of yoga of things I had already believed. But then I think like there is so much of really knowing and learning and being there in India. And how I, people ask me all the time, like how I found my ashram or how I found my teacher and my first yoga trainer, this is where she did her training out of. So I was kind of already in the lineage. I just Mm -hmm. was going like more directly to the source um, with yoga. And so, yeah, I did that training. It was a crazy time. It, it was, um, you know, I had always dreamed it so big. So this is another, like to step back. Another addition is funny of how my life I'd felt so called to yoga. Um, my mom took us traveling a lot as children and, the place I always wanted to go the most in my life was India, like, since I was so young, like, I would say even before middle school, I'm like, I really want to go to India. And it's funny, because for so long, I did not realize how connected like yoga, I didn't know yoga was from India Uh for years. Like, you know, that it was hard to even find a yoga community 10 years ago especially when you're really young and like in my, the
0: midwest in the midwest yeah. and my
1: parents i don't really have hippie parents <laughs> like mm-hmm. i have they just kind of were into any eastern philosophy or wellness like that is all me so i didn't have an outlet for that either um but yeah, it's it's funny now to look at that, how like that my biggest dream, my biggest travel dream ever was to go like study yoga in India. And I just didn't know how connected those two things were. But as I got older, I started to see that connectivity and how cold I had felt from such a young age to go do uh-huh. these things. So it also did put a lot of pressure on my trip I think though because that was the biggest dream like I had ever had and I'm like, well now I'm doing it like this has been the dream for 10 years and like here I am. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did put a lot of pressure on like that experience too. Mm-hmm. Cause you dream so big and then you're like, wow, this is actually happening now.
0: Yeah. And you yeah. traveled around more during that time too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I actually went to Sri Lanka for a month first and um I did different work with my blog and just traveled. And I I picked to go to Sri Lanka first because um, when I was in college, I took a bunch of courses on Buddhism. And Buddhism, um, there's a lot of really famous Buddhist landmarks um, and practices in Sri Lanka. So I had already been kind of connected to um going there. And I just kind of wanted to transition into India of because I hadn't been to Asia. Mm-hmm. I had traveled pretty extensively, but I hadn't been to Asia. So I thought that would be a good place to get my feet wet and try to do this by myself before I jumped into India. Okay. So I did that. And then I went back to Sri Lanka and then I taught yoga. Um, and then I just kind of experienced what it was like to be a traveling yoga teacher and what that lifestyle was like back in Sri Lanka again.
0: Okay. yeah Yeah.
1: so that's (laughs) that's what's been going on i guess in yoga the closer i've been getting to the origin um the closer i've been getting to the source in Mm -hmm. the last four years
0: yeah so the um how did you go about getting gigs teaching internationally i know that's something you were doing there
1: yeah um there's a you know, I'm still figuring out the exact recipe for it all, but there is a resource called Yoga Trade, um, which they have a lot of postings all over the world of different work exchanges or um hotels, yoga shalas, yoga studios. Trade, yeah. Yep, yoga trade. Um offering different international positions. But I found I found I think it's better to go up to a community and show up and like start to kind of figure it out because then you figure out like what's around, like what's popular there. Because it is hard when you just see a posting to know what any of that's really like. You know, Uh you're only reading in the text, like, "Oh, this sounds great. Here's some great photos." But wonder what that community is really like. Mm -hmm. Which that's that's something I I think is hard for most people to think. Oh, I'm just going to show up.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) but. I think that's kind of an easier route to take to find an international yoga position. Um, I was really lucky in Sri Lanka because it was a really tight knit community of yoga teachers, yoga instructors, any type of like healers or creative people. Like we had weekly meetups and like would all have lunch together. And then um, someone would volunteer, like teach a class or a workshop and We did that every Monday. And like, that was so awesome to be able to like, just have that time to connect and talk about whatever yoga thing, whatever yoga things we wanted, but also like what life was like living on the island. Like, and it's just, when you go to places like that to teach yoga too, it's so much less busy. It's so Mm -hmm. much just slower pace of life where here trying to get 10 yoga instructors, 20 yoga instructors to meet up for lunch one day a week, like I don't think that's happening. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> you um, know? Mm-hmm. But when you're in that space where the time it's so less busy and it's just less ties, less responsibilities, then you have a lot more time for all of the other things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now were the other yoga teachers international or Westerners? What what kind of flavor did that group have?
1: Um I well, specifically in Sri Lanka there's not a lot of American people. Um so, I would say that there was some there was quite a few British. I would say there was a few British people. there were Israeli people. there were some girls from South America, some people from Australia. Um, but one common tie I found which I liked about Sri Lanka as well is a lot of people there had trained in India since it is so close to India. Oh, yeah. And I felt that is a very bonding experience um. To have with other yoga teachers because we, I mean, you are so close to India and in Sri Lanka, so most people they go back and forth, mm-hmm. and um, that was really nice too. That there, there was you could witness so many people's different lineages and different ties to um, their sacred traditions
0: very cool yeah, yeah it was cool and then you i think we met right when you just gotten back from your travels right yeah yeah you're, yeah. you're, you're kind of in culture shock <laughs> i
1: was i was it took a long time to get out of it too and it was really hard coming back to um just to a yoga space too and just um Seeing Eastern to Western yoga, it was tough and I would be frustrated with things that I'm like, I shouldn't be frustrated. Like yoga is not a place to be frustrated. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I was definitely, it was definitely a privilege to go. And I think what I missed the most about just doing yoga and, um, other in that part of the world was it felt so sacred and people were coming together to like, make it feel like a sacred practice and, um, make it it, I don't know, they had a really deep connection to it, I feel like, and everyone there was there to have a really deep connection, and I, I miss that part of it, because right. collectively it's just a different energy yeah. um, to be around.
0: Well, and you were in countries that had, you know, cultures that were thousands of years old, and, yeah. and much like I know when I first did a lot of international traveling in my 20s, it mm-hmm. struck me, I would... Maybe be in Italy or some, you know, some country. And I walk into this cathedral that was eight or nine hundred years old, and there's a different energy in that space. You're like, you know, people have come here for some type of spiritual practice for centuries, and you know, centuries before my country, America, was ever yeah. founded. In version of it that we're here today i mean obviously there was people living here (laughs) um, with a culture that pretty much got wiped away Mm -hmm. but our modern culture um so yeah it just struck me of how like young of a country we are and how um even our if you go like to DC and you see the the buildings and the institutions, it's like these are these are really young. I mean, they they, are, they, they yeah. use some like Greek and Roman architecture and the, the, <laughs> the big, you know, you know limestone blocks and pillars, but it's it's really really young. And, w- and when you get into places like that, where you're like, oh my God, there's, yeah, you know, like they they've been through so much, and then there's so many things have come and gone, and then there's some of these things that have. You know threads of those wisdom or lineages or teachings have you know stood the test of time I had a, a woman on the podcast not too long ago Cassie Stockham and she she was in Sri, Sri Lanka as well mm-hmm. and uh, her um, her traveling journey um, was through uh, was inspired through a website called workaway.info yeah
1: Yeah, i was going to add that as a resource also to find international yoga jobs
0: yeah i I would say
1: that's a primary yoga um resource but there are also offerings for positions there too
0: yeah i perused it a little bit and saw i mean they're i think in over 100 countries and Mm -hmm. there are tens of thousands of postings for you know i mean so if someone my point is if someone wanted to do kind of what you're doing and travel there are these resources that are pretty vast yeah but what i hear you saying is it's really about picking a place going there seeing what's up in the community
1: yeah well i just think yeah you just learn so much more from showing up and being there and kind of figuring out if you can allow for that space in your time which i re- your space in your schedule because i realize not everyone can just Buy a plane ticket and show up and be comfortable with that. But um, I think it does help to see to see if you like the environment that it's in, to see if you like the types of people. And then it is different, like based on working at a hostel of working in a yoga studio versus working for a resort hotel. Like all of those have a very different clientele too. And that's something I'm just learning as I develop as a yoga teacher too. Is getting really specific on the clientele and the environment that I want to teach in because. You know, I think we're all trying to find the environments that we thrive best in. And so um, I think, you know, starting to show up or just having these different little experiences, you'll start to see more clearly of like what you like best and who you like to work with best, just as you do here in the United States with trying to build your own following and audience. You know, there's a lot of different factors in um, teaching yoga in different locations in different countries and things like that, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine there would be, and language barriers. And yeah. are, are you, do you speak a second language? Or, no. Uh, not yet? <laughs> no, I know.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking about Spanish in like the next two years, maybe really trying to Uh, pick that up because yeah it's hard as a traveler i feel like i'm a dummy out there the only one who just speaks english like people out of other cultures they definitely do make fun of americans for only speaking english but it is hard because everyone wants to speak english so Mm -hmm. we don't really like we are like blessed it's like a fortunately and an unfortunately we're never um pushed to have to learn another language
0: yeah well hopefully that'll change but you're right there's in at least in the developed world most people speaking multiple languages from a young age so we i've felt that same way like oh god you know (laughs) i spoke broken german from high school and (laughs) spanish i picked up working in restaurants and so i didn't wasn't fluent in anything other than english and yeah that I would talk to people that were maybe th- fluent in th- three or four languages, <laughs> and they're very matter of fact about it,
1: yeah, and you're like, "What am I doing <laughs>
0: right so i know i I've, I've I've been trying to commit to learning Spanish for a while now as a as a stepping stone mm-hmm. and uh, so that's cool and yeah, I think it's it's um uh, this a, a valuable thing to have in your skill set um you just describe yourself earlier among other things as a soul searcher like i want to kind of dig into that what what does that mean to you and
1: um i think that means being a seeker and working on taking off different layers of yourself developing yourself like doing different personal development um to get a little bit deeper and get a little bit clearer on who you are and what you want where you're going what and like what energies you have what talents you have um So, yeah, I'm always looking for those opportunities to get a little bit deeper, to get to know myself better, um, to do some like internal deep cleaning. You know, I think that in this world, like um, I really think like if we want to change the world, we have to change ourselves first. And, uh, you know, we're the biggest impact we can make usually is on ourselves. And that does influence all the other people around us, Um, you know, showing up for ourselves, making ourselves better um influences everyone around us just as much as it influences us and so yeah i like i like to do some deeper work and you know help take off some veils and layers and peel away the layers of the onion yeah
0: (laughs) well that's proverbial onion right (laughs) well that's cool and and to be doing that work in conjunction with developing as a teacher and uh, that's that's really i think it's vital you know a, a lot of times we can get busy with a Path, maybe it's teaching or whatever our career path is, and then we lose sight of that deeper inner work. It can get pushed to the side, really, really busy. But um, now, what did you, when you were in college, what were you studying that I need? You, you said like I was going to, you know, get my yoga certification while I was still in college. But what, how has that helped on your journey?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked. This is a good, um, thing to share. So my degree is in secondary health education. Uh, So when I went to college, um, I knew I wanted to work in health. I've always wanted to be in the health um, wellness environment. And I I knew I wanted to be a yoga teacher and you can't study that at IU Bloomington. So um, I thought I was going to do dietetics and then health education really felt right because it's kind of back to what I said, if you can improve yourself if you can improve your health you can improve so much the rest of the world and I loved health education I loved studying it I loved going to classes um, I'm so happy I studied that but it was really interesting so when I did this yoga training was right before my senior year and I just I just look back and I think that my first yoga training I really started to question health of all of this all of these things I had been learning for three years and really that's Three years of studying in college. Like, I had loved to study health way before I even got to that point, but really, so many ideas started shifting for me on, like, yes, I can break down dietetics for you. I can break down so much of, like, chemically and um, mathematically what you should put in your body, but I don't think, no, there was no um, really influence of, like, holistic health in my life at all until I was went to my first yoga training
0: interesting there was
1: no influence in that in health education and there was no influence of just like thinking about not eating your proteins and your carbs and your calories because that's like what we're so stuck on here in nutrition like thinking about what am i fueling my body with like what am i eating every day like that is going to create this being and like fueling how this energy runs, how I can operate every day. We Mm. we get so stuck on like proteins, carbs, let me break this down for you. Like when you look at a plate, are you thinking about, is this gonna fuel me? Like that's what the questions you need to ask yourself. And um, I just think there's so many doors that opened there for me in that yoga training on, um, and to mental health, like, you know, every area of health it's also super connected and I think yoga is the best way we can start to work through some of those things and work through all of those things as a whole but yeah never once in any of my classes did you hear any of this yeah
0: (laughs) that's interesting yeah yeah.
1: I mean that that was kind of when I so I I don't I've not had a job in um, health education I really kind of started to step away from health education too because that when you're studying to um, something like that to be a teacher, you study what is the American standards of health yeah. education. And I'm just now like these American standards don't really fit in my idea of health. Mm-hmm. And through also through traveling internationally, because so then after I graduated from college, I lived in Europe for a year. And I taught health education in Ireland, and then I was an all-parent in Belgium. And through just seeing other people's health habits, that was when I really started to get these ideas of, wow, these, these health principles that we follow in the United States, not everyone follows them. It's not like the holy grail of what's right and what's right. wrong, but we are kind of brought up to think like, oh, this is the right way to treat my body. This is what's important to everyone as a human, this is it. Like, and I do think there's a lot of science between some things are right, some things are not right. But once you start to see other cultures, they have a completely shifted idea of what's most, you know, what are the most principal ideas for them? What's Mm -hmm. most important for them culturally? And I was like, well, yeah, it's not all right that we have here in the United States, you know? Uh This is not the answer to everything. so yeah that was it's been a strange experience that i've had through health education because i feel like holistic health and yoga have really um really started to turn my ideas of health for Mm -hmm. sure
0: yeah so well and that um i guess what as you were talking it made me think of they they have their own standards in their health and medical industry their diet i mean there's uh, and some of that is, has, it based on, sort of cultural, environmental, mm-hmm. and then some of it, I know here like well, a lot of things will get based on maybe science or pseudoscience, and then yeah. there's so much, of flex like, I don't want to say flexibility, but there's such a variety, of of practices people use in their own you know yeah. diet or whatever that and it changes throughout different phases of life um but it's interesting though that you picked up on that you know early on in your journey and were were you in communities and countries where people seemed healthier based on their lifestyle and dietary stuff
1: um
0: i mean what was? does it seem like the outcome was happening
1: i think i think Well, when I lived in Belgium, I think people were healthier by standards there, like, because I think they just have more activity, like health. I think here in the United States, we feel like activity is like something we have to check off our list. It's not necessarily a part of our lifestyle. I'm saying that just for like general American society. I feel like exercise and activity feels like more of a check off the list more than it's just part of my normal routine and day. That's what we like to do Uh for a lot of people. And um, they were just, yeah. They were just super more active, and there's not really fast food. Like fast food is very like an American thing. Like people are always eating such horrible foods here with no quality, and it kills me. Yeah. But um, yeah. There's not as that availability of quickness and convenience in other countries as it is here in the United States. Like the United States is like. The capital of convenience and quickness mm-hmm. in so many different areas but that includes in food and so since we, we were always eating i always see people eating crap because it's so like easy you readily know? It's available so, yeah. yeah and it's just not readily available there and it's like on sundays the grocery stores are closed or um everything closes at like 8 p.m. or 6 p.m. So it's like you get your like you go to the market and you get your food and you make a meal. And like there's just so many little things like that of habits that they have embedded in their culture that set them up so much better than the habits that we have here. Yeah.
0: yeah, I've noticed that in traveling, too, and particularly in northern Europe or Western Europe, there'll be very few people Walking around carrying, like eating, or much less carrying a to go beverage. And and there, if you wanted to have a coffee or a latte or something, you went to a coffee shop, you sat down, you you drank it, and then you you,
1: enjoyed it. Right. (laughs) You weren't running to the next thing. Right. And
0: and even driving, there was, you didn't see anybody driving, shoving food in their face and in a hurry. I mean, I mean, I've limited travel, but enough times to, and I have enough awareness to have notice, and it's definitely um, not the culture through most of the rest of the world. All right. Yeah. Um, so no, that's that's very cool. And so you came back from working in Belgium, mm-hmm. and then you then you went off to your journey for teaching or. I had lived
1: in India for um, a year in between there. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh- now, were you, and you were teaching yoga a bit there. Mm-hmm. And that's, was that the period in your that j- was journey? The burnout, the, burnout Yeah. That
1: was the burnout period. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think too, as you're starting being a yoga instructor, and especially for me trying to break into this community and being a lot younger than most other teachers, I think not even for other people, but for me, I just was trying to grab onto any experience, improve myself. Like prove myself to me that I could t- take on this weight of classes and um, that I could show up at these different places and teach yoga and I mean it's all part of the experience like it's all part of the growth and the path experience right. as well figuring that out and then looking back and like now I'm way more meticulous about okay what what space actually serves the teacher I want to be and who is the teacher I want to be because I was looking for experience too just as much as anyone when they break out into whatever field they are you know they're hungry for experiences that's how I was too I was hungry to be everywhere and do it all and now now I have a different hunger Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a different hunger but that's the um space I was in at that time
0: Oh, I totally get that. I mean, when I started teaching yoga, I was working a full-time job, yeah. So I had to teach mornings, evenings, and weekends, and I was teaching in uh, five different studios. So I was, yeah, I was running my own consulting business, so I had pretty flexible work hours. But I was driving from the studio to that studio, and different styles and different vibes at different places. Uh, doing some karma yoga in the mix there, and <laughs> and. Uh, but it was good for me, like you said too. You start to learn what kind of space do you want to be teaching in. Mm-hmm. What's your passion as far as a style and an intention for what what you want to communicate to your class and and I believe that that volume of teaching I was probably teaching yeah. ten or twelve classes a week. So I saw I got to see a lot of different bodies and a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of different levels of of um, skill and their yoga experience, and it taught me a lot. I mean, I continually learn a yeah. lot from watching students and trying to be really as present as possible. Um, by that, I mean just like paying attention to like all aspects of what's going on in the class I'm teaching. So that, so no, I get that and. I think a lot of people go through that and
1: yeah. and
0: a lot of people kind of land here at City Yoga because they're like, <laughs> you know, this feels like a school or this feels like, you know, like uh, there's there's a, a vibe of uh, broad accessibility and different styles. So, you know, so you can kind of explore what what you wanted to teach. And um, I would like to ask you a little to talk a little bit about the class you were teaching here or are still teaching for a little bit longer, but yeah. um, sort of how did you come to, you know, wanting to use the the different um, sound and, and intention and how did that, I know, obviously it came from some of your teaching schooling, but tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, um, I have a bunch of like little funny points about that, but yeah, I think, what one of the reasons i'm so drawn to yoga and one of the thing like one of my favorite things about yoga as it's one of the only philosophies that is through experiment experience and experiment and through that experiment and experience i think you can have a deeper connection with yourself and a deeper connection with god and um and that's whatever divinity is for you and i i have gotten into more of the eastern practices of really working on the body and working on my mind to feel like I have this deeper connection and so through this class I was teaching here is through um making like a hummingbird noise or a buzzing noise uh, a breath pranayama and through making that noise um you start to get really still and your thoughts get start to get super still and I like I really have to plan out the class and plan out the postures. Like I could teach a class on the fly, but this one, even when I am teaching the class, since I am humming too, like I can't really be calculating the next Um. couple of things ahead. Like it's way easier if I just have it right there. So it really does help to get your mind really still Um, and helps to balance out the pituitary and the penile gland. So it helps to regulate hormones, improve sleep, improve concentration. And then you can drop into a lot deeper of a meditation at the end because um through doing all of that work through making that noise through getting stiller it's a lot easier to drop into meditation and i've really tried to add in meditation just even a little bit to any of the end of my yoga practices because i've read a lot of texts in india that really yoga was created to prepare the body for meditation that's the whole goal of what we're doing is so that we can drop in deeper Mm -hmm. Um, and that part it doesn't get Um, it doesn't get put on as much here in the United States. And that's something I think we could all use is getting in a little bit deeper through meditation. And um, yeah, it's just been my goal to continue to like start offering these different practices. And actually, um, this is a funny thought I have when I was teaching one of my last classes. Uh, When we were all up, like before we're saying namaste or like there were some moments of stillness, I was thinking about how like, Uh, Two years ago, I wrote on my yoga bio like I was really trying to create themes and create opportunities for people to go deeper. But I wasn't really sure how I was going to do that. But I would (laughs) I wrote on my yoga bio that I really want to make my um, classes more of a journey inward. And sometimes I'd be like, I feel like a phony. I did not plan a theme that, you know, I would kind of hold uh, myself accountable. I'm like, I didn't give them as good of stuff to like get in deeper. But when I was like teaching this class at the end, I was like, I didn't even know this lineage. Like, I didn't even know this style of yoga existed when I wrote that, but i it's funny how now in like full circle, this really is an inward practice that I'm teaching. And like, that's what I had always been called to is more of the deeper stuff we can get into. Um, so yeah, it was really funny for me to like, see that come full circle in my life. You
0: you embodied it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I was trying to, I felt like a phony for a while, but I mean, it was always there. And I had done a lot of writing, um, on what I was attracted to in yoga. So like, even when I was, uh, kid what did i like about yoga what kept me going and i always just like the end of class and the moments of stillness at the end of class or the quotes and the inspiration and invitation for personal growth like that's what i had always been most attracted to in yoga and so now it's just like now i'm figuring out how i can give people these tools and share them in a stronger way
0: yeah well that's cool and i think part of what you may have experienced it sounds like in in the east is that it's a little more so I could use the term mature culture in that they've had lots of time to embody these practices yeah and come to a sense of where where they want to go and what's most important to them In that you know devoting time or energy to something and the um uh, you know the thing that i think it's important to remember in the west too like yoga really didn't start getting traction here at all maybe 50 years ago yeah you know, i was here longer than that but for the most part and it became very physical mm-hmm. and if you look at kind of what was going on in our culture but say between the 70s and and now you know our this this like idea of do more be more produce more pr- yeah that idea got like on steroids <laughs> you know the cars got faster the 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 digital age yeah. that was just distant on the horizon like exploded the dot-com boom the the, the advances in technology and in medicine and, and um so like our the vibration of our culture got really really almost chaotic and mm-hmm. and very uh, and i think it shows in the people that you know in um, the levels of stress and anxiety and all yeah. these all these disorders and and the level of distraction that and what is like early in the yoga sutras and it's talking about what's the you know purpose of yoga and calming the chatter of the mind and how do we get there why do we do that And, and then as we recognize our thoughts and calm our thoughts then we can see our true self but there's this idea of there's these certain thoughts are cause more trouble than other thoughts and and the three of the big ones are the distracting thoughts yeah. and which are usually driven like pain or pleasure, but they're they're that part of the brain, and then the the fear is another big one, and then uncertainty and When I think about, it, that was written thousands of years ago, and there's various translations on that, but the those are kind of the three big types of thoughts that yoga is really designed to calm. Mm-hmm. And those are like three types of thoughts that our culture is driven on. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? So true. Isn't it true? Yeah. I mean, fear, distraction, uncertainty. Who do you know that doesn't live <laughs> in those buckets some part of their day, if not all of them? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: That's it's something I have been, I have thought a lot about um, from traveling too, is seeing different cultures and seeing even really developed cultures and, um, in europe in western europe too where they are not as success driven as we are they are not as not that not that all people are i don't want to say that as a bad thing but as americans we are so success driven and goal oriented and like we are always doing and being and busy and um other cultures like they don't have as big as goals some people don't have as big as goals they they are happy and they are content having their lifestyle, doing their thing. And I think there's like so much beauty in that simplicity though. You know, I, I like teeter totter in a lot of different ways with that concept because it's like, that's also why I want to go back to Sri Lanka and teach yoga again is because I miss the simplicity. I miss the stillness, but then also from experiencing other cultures, I realize how much opportunity we have in the United States. And that, so we are so success driven and we are so ambitious but we have so much opportunity here yeah. like so yeah, it's it is awesome that um, you know part of me is like well I want to capitalize on this opportunity that I've been given. This is a huge privilege that I just somehow lucked into being American mm-hmm. here you know I just yeah. somehow lucked into that but um, I think it's beautiful though that people can be happy and content just being and I think you know a lot of people here in the United States, we need to get back to promoting just being just Mm -hmm. being is something that it's so hard to do here it's so hard to do nothing and in my classes too i've been really working on stillness and like i think people probably don't like it they're like sometimes this stillness is painful but that's because we are in a culture where we're always hit with so much we're always so busy in the mind like um i've heard people complain about yoga class because there's no music but it's like I think music, I I like it in a yoga practice sometimes, yes, but it's just another thing to keep you busy, to keep you distracted, to draw your mind to, like, if we're really trying to narrow it in and angle in, like, we really have to tune, like, tune tune out all of those things, you know, work on the practice of getting stiller, Um, and I think everyone needs that more here.
0: (laughs) Well, and I I get both arguments on the music in a class, too, and I also... So I think our job as teachers is to bring that moment of stillness and, yeah. and uh, help people come to some awareness of clarity for within themselves. Mm-hmm. Depending on who's in there, right? So if you're in a really power-driven, goal-oriented industry, then you go into a quiet room for a yoga class. You may, if you're if you're so into being in this chaotic and yeah busyness of the mind you'll go insane it's not an
1: easy flip yeah you you
0: throw in like you throw in some some music Mm -hmm. and maybe a fast tempo and then all of a sudden and you have a teacher that's talking about the breath and then hear the sound of your breath and then then all of a sudden you're in this room and maybe it's hot room or lights are low or there's incense burning but there's all these other sensory distractions yeah but the teacher's trying to get you to be on your mat and not pay attention to what the person next to you is doing and focus on your breath and sensations of the body. Then you're training the mind to find some single point of focus and stillness in the midst of a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, it's pretty much American culture is yeah. a lot of chaos.
1: <laughs> it <So> is chaos. <laughs> I think that's
0: why it's... Like yoga has evolved in the in the West, in America in particular, the way it has because of the nature of the culture that it's thriving in. Yeah. So, and, and that's why people love it because they can step off the, you know, the spinning wheel or, and sit in their class and be like, oh. And they walk out feeling different, feeling better, feeling some relief or... betterment in their own person so so and i think it's continually evolving i talked to a lot of teachers from
1: i think people are continually evolving in what they like and what they can handle and what styles they're drawn to that's that's not a linear thing as well you know
0: yeah and i talked to teachers from all over the country and and east coast west coast and traveling yogis like yourself and Really five or ten years ago there's sort of an awakening in the Midwest. You could kind of <laughs> almost palatable. People were like, you know, like yoga was starting to get any traction here. And then there was just this uh, evolution that was happening and you'd see it in little communities really simultaneously in disconnected communities. So you'd go you'd be in Indianapolis and see a trend evolving and then you'd go to like go to Wisconsin and visit some studios and see the same thing. And you know, or go over somewhere in Ohio or somewhere in the South, and and um, recognizing that that on the East Coast and West Coast that was happening 25 years ago. Yeah, like it was there was a few studios that started getting traction and started getting bigger, and the consciousness kind of shifted. So, at, like any given moment, there's there's a lot of things going on in communities and and even. And i'd be interested to know like in your travels too like the if you go to sri lanka and you have a mix of people from you know you know british and australian and are are they coming out of really established communities or are they doing what you're doing like okay i've got into this and now i want to go deeper so i'm and or do you have people in sri lanka that are really steeped deep in lineages i mean what's that Um, kind of like
1: you know it's all different it's all different and i think that's what's kind of cool about it is that one thing i do really like about being a traveling yoga teacher is that everyone comes and offers something different to the table Where here and there's different communities usually everyone is in that same community well here's a big toss-up of like different communities people are all in from different countries from different lineages of different practices and i think that is like super awesome to be able to learn and see other people's practices because then it kind of makes you question your practice or maybe take on something a new tool that you learned from them um, because it is so diverse and where people come from and it feels a lot less competitive in that sense where I feel like once you get into this side of yoga and business, it is, I mean, it's just like anything, we're competitive in the United States. Like, you know, you're comparing and, you know, connecting dots, like what do they do? What do I do? What can we offer? Like, I think a lot, you know, as yoga teachers in the world of business of yoga, you're still probably gonna have those thoughts here in the United Mm -hmm. States, but I felt like there it's a lot less thoughts because it's like, everyone has such a different offering. Why, why am I comparing because it's totally going to be different no matter right. what, you know? Yeah. And I think that was a really cool experience too, to have like a diff. that layer I felt like of competitiveness was taken off a little bit or comparing was taken off a little bit because, yeah, I don't know what someone's going to bring to the table. Someone from Brazil that has been trained in, you know, some other... Lineage that I've never even heard of. Like it's cool to take on and see what. Oh, this is what they're doing. This is their relationship with their practice, and yeah, and yeah. through that, it can make you stronger in your practice too, because you can find new things that work for you, or you can get clear on no, that's not something I'm interested in. That's not something I'm attracted to. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: that's yeah. very cool.
1: That is a cool experience.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I um, I was listening to a teacher not too long ago, and she um. I spent a lot of time in india around calcutta mm-hmm. and she was noticing a trend there where a lot of schools over there were starting to bring western teachers over oh really i thought she thought like this is very interesting like and they were promoting teacher trainings and doing things like you know like you described but there was also a uh, an interest in bringing Western teachers over. Did you see some of that over there or
1: um, in India? Yeah, I mean, in my training specifically, like we had the guru that we had, um, Vishva, and then we had the three other. We had an Australian, a Canadian, and a South African trainer that were on the team. Um, but they they helped more with like logistics of how to run a training also, which I would say that coming from the Western world as well, like we're used to Western or Westernized structure of education and of school. So it was nice to have Western hands helping because um, I think that they probably knew a format that Westerners could learn better versus us just going to be taught by just people from India. You know, like the main, all of the knowledge came from India Came from an Indian man, but it was helpful to have these other people on because they were giving it to us in a way that we could um, best, you know, best facilitate, best learn those teachings. too. that's good. Because it is it is very diverse, you know, like they were a good stepping stone and how we can um, how we can best learn. Um, Yeah, that's what I have to say about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that's good. I, I was thinking about that earlier this week I'm like you know I wonder how that like your perception of that and I knew that you had taught in Sri Lanka a couple of times and so I thought oh there must be a market for western teachers to participate and then at the, even at the school level or ashram mm-hmm. level and that uh, which is interesting you probably didn't see that 20 years ago you know probably um, yeah and the uh, so it's interesting like we were talking about how yoga is evolving here and mm-hmm. how it was, you know, started and these different little nuances. It sounds like that's happening in India as well. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I felt like personally, in my experience in India, I did not see that yoga was so rich into the people that I personally met that I came in contact with. So I would say, most of the Indian people I met did not practice yoga or I, I mean, I think that they were very connected to whatever their spiritual practice was. I just didn't see a lot of yoga among people of that culture.
0: Now, when you say yoga, are you thinking like physical postures or do you, yeah, or I was think more there... like yoga
1: asana or I think just like, um, the general population, like I didn't see people out practicing Yoga, like I thought I would see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is a tradition that's dying there as well. Yeah. Like it is an ancient tradition for them. Um, and, but you do see many like very high, highly spiritual Babas or um, sadhus, gurus. But you see that, but then I haven't seen a lot of many practitioners as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I think that. Also in the West, like yoga has really brought the popularity back to yoga. Mm-hmm. Like it has ramped up like... Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. practice where I think... It, I'm not sure that it was as p- popular of a practice 50 years ago, even yeah. in India. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah.
0: No, I, I've heard that from others as well that have spent some time over there that... It's definitely a shift is occurring and it's global in its nature so yeah so that's and and it's cool to like have you here on your way to do some more traveling but to see how that you know like i want to bring you back on the show you know sometime in the future and yeah. and uh, just to have you know just it's interesting to see what's going on and um hear about it for and I, whenever I travel, I try to, you know, get into yoga class and talk to the teacher, like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of get, and we're all so like connected and similar in our journeys and in our kind of thought process and observations. And, um, and I think this is, I think that whole idea of we're all connected yeah. really shows up in the yoga community and that, and I believe it's in the community at large, and something you talked about earlier about the sound and vibration mm-hmm. and uh, the effect that it has on the nervous system and different organs in the body. Um, neuroscience is like really getting into what's going on with vibration. Yeah. Um, do you follow along with that or have thoughts on vibration and where it's going?
1: Um, I mean, I haven't specifically looked on that on the vibration aspect of it but i think it is really interesting um is how all of these eastern practices and things that people have done for so long it's like now we're getting to the point to prove all of it in Uh western and western science which i think is so interesting like i think it does show validity to the practice and um yeah validity to the practice because it's also like if people spent time, like Patanjali, if he spent all this time out there, like figuring these things out to write for us, like they also spent time in such a, a less busy without so many layers and mm-hmm. responsibilities where you could actually spend time deeper connecting, like ha- being able to figure all of these practices out and write them down. And um, yeah, I just think that's interesting, like with vibration, with meditation, um, with physical movement of it you know with prayer with intention setting oh now we have science to prove all of this stuff is real all these mystical things we found with yoga now we can prove so much of them but i think that goes to show how valid and how powerful this practice is
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well and that i like that you mentioned patanjali and, and just think of the time that he was existing that there. The human emotions haven't changed. Yeah, there's yeah. people I'm sure <laughs> coming to him stressed out, fear, uncertainty, anxiety, you know, it, in over... just
1: whatever way that was for them at that
0: time, exactly. Yeah, and, and so he recognized like this is not optimal for the human condition. <laughs> let's,
1: <laughs> yeah. let's
0: figure out how to s- resolve some of that. And I think the solutions, like you said, like the practices are universally known to to work yeah and now that because of our western minds having sal- science validated uh, yeah
1: we're like yeah it must be right it's, it's a selling someone point proved, it is it is it, a selling point for yeah. us though
0: which is sad because like so much like uh, in the health and wellness realm so there's so much pseudoscience out there as well you yeah. know so that's why i, I in the yoga community here a lot of people talk about you know like evidence based you know studies and like peer reviewed studies so so i think that's great for our our profession as yoga yeah. teachers but also for the overall health and wellness of the community that it's not a like a pseudoscience thing although there's there's some of that in the yoga community especially around Well, not to get into all that, but there, you know, if you read deep enough into findings and studies and like who wrote this, who authored this paper and, you know, what was the, you know, the cohort, the size of group that was being studied. And and so I'm just really intrigued by these broad studies with thousands of people or tens of thousands of people in, in the mindfulness realm or. You know, just making these little shifts and diet and lifestyle that yield these amazing outcomes. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, it gets me excited to be a part of that. It's exciting to see you being a part of that, and and bringing, like you're, like, going off to some far corner of the world and trying to absorb. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know and make it your own in the, in the sense that how's how do i embody it and then and then bringing it back to a little community in indiana and <laughs> and say like here try this this is what's going on can you feel it and i, I believe your students get i mean yeah. i've been in your class i could feel the, the energy and the vibe and that you know that's just such really incredible work to be doing mm-hmm. and um at the time in your life where you're doing it, where you've got the time to, you know, where, you know, you're not tied down to, to yeah. like, oh, this <laughs> is my career I, in some other industry, or I've got this house I'm tied down to, you know, that kind of thing is cool. Um, and the, uh, up, um, oh, one question we talked maybe a little bit or emailing about. um mm-hmm. Sort of not yoga East versus West, but you've talked a lot about what you've observed in the Eastern traditions and, and yoga in America and Midwest in particular. But what what would you say is like the biggest similarity between Ooh, um, the two? I mean, there's obviously a lot of differences, but similarities, yeah. where do you see that?
1: Um, I think... I think people, well, I think no matter what, you're going to feel better after yoga. That's definitely (laughs) a similarity. Like, you're never going to feel worse. You're always going to feel better. But um, I just think there's something special no matter what culture you're in as well as taking time to actually be on your mat and explore the body and explore the mind. And I think no matter what lineage or practice or culture you're doing that in, you know, there's few other times where we're actually taking time to sit with ourselves or, move to ourselves or check in with ourselves and I think yoga presents a great opportunity to be able to do that um, in any facet. Yeah. Um and let's see what else do I think are similarities. I'm sure there's like so many I have, but uh, that's all right. Um yeah, I mean I think people I think people are seeking to be better mm-hmm. also. And no matter what Uh, facet of being better maybe that's being a better human maybe that's having a better body maybe that's just feeling better but it's this um goal of you know of stepping up to work on yourself in in some way some way you're finding a little bit of light and you're stepping into it no matter what where your mat is that you're practicing on
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's cool um so as a uh adventure traveler mm-hmm. i know we were talking a little earlier you have a pretty epic trip coming up do you want to kind of elaborate on yeah what's going on with that
1: yeah so um, my mom and i are walking the camino santiago trail in spain um so my mom came to visit me in sri lanka and that we both had traveled very extensively throughout our lives but that was a really good experience for us and for our relationship to. Be a team like I took her on third class train staying in hostels like yeah. I made sure she did it real yeah, <laughs> like we did yeah. not stay in any cushiony area we we had the authentic what it was like to live in Sri Lanka experience no and AC n- no AC sometimes I I would treat her and bug a place with AC because she's a lot bigger on air conditioning than me <laughs> but it was really good for our relationship and it was really good experience together so that was kind of like um I think the idea for let's do the Camino together, my mom had always wanted to do it. I had always wanted to do it, but now she was like solidifying the deal. Like uh. we gotta we gotta get on that trail. So yeah, we are doing it in like two weeks. It's 500 miles. I don't know if I just said that, but um, I think we're probably about like six weeks to doing it. They say it's about um, 32 days is what people should amount to. And that's only one or two days off not no, walking. Okay. So, so we're going to have a little bit more time just to take it at our own pace. Um There's no camping involved. People ask me that a lot. I'm not necessarily a camper. Um, So I'm glad there's different like community. um They're called albergues, but it's like a hostel. Mm-hmm. So there's different community places to stay every little village along the way. Um But yeah, I, I haven't really spent so much time thinking about it and sitting with it. Like, I, it's funny I have this habit if I can just I like to just show up and figure things out and um I like it's also I think like a superpower I have but it's also something I like crack up at myself because I'm like I just don't know what I'm getting into but I'm going to show up and I'm going to figure it out and like we're going to sink or swim and I always almost come out <laughs> swimming so I hope I'm going to be swimming on this uh... trip we'll see um but I've been thinking, like, wow, six weeks ago was, like, just after the 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we would be getting on this trail. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> so it is a long time. I we, I have done many hikes before, but never.
0: Six weeks. This,
1: never six weeks, yeah. no. That's mm-hmm.
0: fun. Well, there's a, and you mentioned earlier, you're doing the original trail that starts in France and goes through the Pyrenees. Yeah. So it's ba- mainly, like, sort of a northern Spain route to yep. Spain. Uh, so
1: it's all north of Spain. There are some mountains we'll be going over. But yeah, it is, right now I'm really calculated in the packing because it's like <laughs> I, can go, I can go there and I can figure things out as I get there. But I think I do have to be prepared with all the gear that I need. And it's really not that much gear because you can only take like probably 10, 12 pounds of stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. three outfits, the right shoes, like all, all of your little toiletries which I really can't have many so that's kind of more of like all right am I going to be okay really living this meagerly like Mm -hmm. I have already really lightened the load and lived out of a backpack for a long time but now it's like you know I've lived out of a 40 pound backpack now I'm living out of a 10 pound backpack oh it's a 10 pound
0: so it's not even a full pack (laughs) Ah. so
1: now I'm like kind of trying to get in the right framework of oh wow we're really about to live on a little and Mm. like I can really only have a few things with yeah. me
0: like
1: that just makes it like a bigger a bigger weight of is this the right thing to take i don't know yeah. you know <laughs>
0: and that makes sense and you can move a lot faster yeah. if you're not lugging around a 40 pound pack <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so that um have you looked into the history of the trail and what do you know about the trail yeah
1: pack? i mean i know it's um a pilgrimage out of catholicism there's different um Saints that were buried along the way. Now you're putting me to the test. Oh, like no, let me not, tell you what chance. I know about this trail. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a it's a spiritual pilgrimage that people have been taking for a really really long time. I I don't know the amount of years to say exactly, but um, I've read you know so how many different awesome experiences or clarity people have on the trail or. But I think with anything that you're getting away from. Your normal life you're being outside you're having you know all of the other busyness fall away you know um that there is a lot more work you can do on yourself and a lot more clarity you can find through doing that practice so i'm like this is a whole nother it's like really is a whole nother spiritual practice i'm about to do just via walking not yeah. yoga <laughs> yeah well isn't that
0: the essence of yoga yeah right yeah <laughs> and so you'll it's more i mean to me it sounds like you're like really living your yoga by having this you know opportunity to bond with your mom at a different level mm-hmm. and then the bond
1: with nature at a different level <laughs> nature and,
0: and on a trail that's centuries old that was regarded as a spiritual sort of you know mechanism for inspiration transformation awareness or yeah um and and I think um suffering i think i think yeah. i read somewhere where you know there's uh, one practice of like like bowing down every oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the prostrating all, all through the whole trail as a, a way to work off some i don't know if it's like a i don't know the purpose behind it but i know that it sounded like pretty rough <laughs> like yeah. a pretty a pretty uh, high level of rigor involved and in, um, whatever spiritual discipline that was about, but so you'll, I think, you'll meet some interesting people along oh, the yeah. way as well.
1: I think so too. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's exciting, it's exciting to like think to be in those network that network of people and the camaraderie of we're out here hiking all these miles with these big blisters on our feet, like waking up every day, yeah, you know, doing it again and again and again. But and also, I think there'll probably be relationships we'll make along the trail with other people, you know, out there doing the same thing
0: yeah well the camaraderie on the trail is going to be i, I, I would guess I mean, i'll i be excited to hear about it when you return someday and the yeah. uh i know my son brian and i last summer went down to um do some backpacking in the grand canyon mm-hmm. so just you know a few days down and camped out and, and back out but the people we met at the campsites that were doing the same thing because you're you know like the the crowd you're in narrows pretty rapidly when you do something like that, right? (laughs) Where, okay, like the only way to get down here is by foot with all your stuff and (laughs) and the the only way out is the same way. And so it was really cool, the conversations and people we met along the way that were, you know, out all walks of life, all different. Mm -hmm. I mean, we met people in their 20s and my son's in his 20s and people in their 70s that were hiking the same trail
1: yeah. Searching so you, for the same things and different, yeah. different little facets of it, too, I think, you know, yeah. searching for the opportunity for growth, for that challenge for themselves from for some stillness. Like, you know, whatever way you spin it, I think at, at the end, those are all kind of things people are looking for, you know, a break away from their normal lives to go explore, explore deeper nature, explore deeper themselves yeah so yeah whatever you know whatever in someone's mind that that looks like i think those are probably the commonalities and common threads that you know you can break it down anyway but this is probably the common denominator that we're all out here seeking that thing, yeah. seeking those things yeah
0: very cool um so probably start winding it down the um uh, so for our listeners, they may have heard earlier that you're a blogger oh, and yes. you're a social media influencer. And um, are you going to be blogging on this trip? Or are you keeping it? Are you going on radio silence? Or what, what's the plan for that? No, the,
1: see, that's gonna. I'm thinking about how heavy my computer and my camera to be ah, in this pack.
0: Okay. Okay. But yeah,
1: they Yeah, I'm taking my stuff. Um, I have taken a lot of social media breaks. I would say in the last couple of years, so I don't feel like this is a time where I'm like, oh, I need a break. I I go through my phases where I go in and out of it. I'm not on all the time. So, and I have my mom to help me take photos, and (laughs) I got a photographer with me.
0: Bonus, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: When you travel alone, though, it is hard. It's hard to plan. Like how you want to take photos and like i do love the creation of taking photos not even a sense like you know people just think it's social media but for me it is art like it is fun to dress in certain ways and think of different stylized photo shoots i can do with different backgrounds like that is fun for me you know it's Mm -hmm. a creative outlet um so yeah i'm excited i'm gonna have my mom there to help me take some stuff but um my blog has been becoming really a lot more successful this summer and I have been getting a lot, lot more traffic. I've been working on different platforms of marketing and that's showing a lot of growth. I've gotten a few things published now. So it's just like, I've gotten some motion to a lot of things and I think this is just somewhere where I can keep getting some more motion going. You know, yeah. I wanna keep consistent in that because it's taken so long to build and to rebuild and, um, but now we're there. Now we have some fire, so I'm like, "Fire's <laughs> got to keep going while I'm out there." Yeah. You know, I'm not ready to shut it all down.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, very cool. Well, that's good to hear. So we can keep track of your your journey and mm-hmm. um, the uh, and I'll put in the show notes for the podcast the uh, links to your blog and to your different stuff, and, and maybe shoot me. Uh, we'll get some links to public recent articles too yeah. that we can connect in there if you want to do that so um so any parting words for our audience you know we, we have a pretty broad audience midwest and worldwide so you may be speaking to some of your friends in sri lanka you never know <laughs> what do you what's the parting words you want to leave us with oh, uh... how about where do you see yourself after you get back from this trip
1: how oh, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I like to say a lot of my life feels like it's always pending.
0: Okay, okay. I'm like
1: pending. I'm not sure what that's gonna look like. Um. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, it's okay to not know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we sure. I sure enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed hearing your adventures on this this yoga journey. And the different aspects that you bring to all the communities that you go to, and I'm sure this this upcoming adventure that's just a few weeks away will. So you'll be on the trail when this podcast drops. Probably
1: comes out, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you get Wi-Fi,
0: you can you know (laughs) catch it.
1: Listening, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) And then uh, I would love to get you back here yeah um afterwards or sometime in the future so is that is recap that a deal? all
1: the things we've been talking about yeah, yeah. What, it, it's, what it's now what it's going to be really like how was this test of this spiritual journey
0: yeah yeah, yeah. very good <laughs> well thank you again so much for being here and uh, until next time
1: yeah thank you so much uh-huh. thank you to everyone listening
0: uh, awesome Wow, we covered a lot of ground today. I was so excited to be able to chat with Colleen. Hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to leave comments, subscribe to our podcast to help support The Yoga Voice and keep us bringing this to listeners all around the world. You can find out more about Colleen um, in our program notes. You'll see her email address, her website, her Instagram handle, Uh, There's a link to her blog. There'll be a link to some of her articles that she's published and some of the resources she talked about. If you want to get into the international yoga teaching gigs around the world, there's some good resources that you can find there. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to us on this podcast. And I wish you all an awesome day, an amazing life, and share your light and spirit around the world. Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A abiz Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.